Good morning, Ascent. My name is Aisha, and I am so looking forward to our time together today. You know, whenever I preach, I always mention how much I love when y'all talk back with me and when you engage with me. And although church is online, I'm still going to let you know I would love if you would engage with me this morning in the chat. So for the past few weeks, we've been leaning heavily on justice as a church, and I'm so proud of that. There's also so many people and organizations across the country that are leaning into justice and equity and racial reconciliation. And because of that, there's been some common things that I've been hearing, things that you may have said, things that you may have thought, or maybe you heard someone else say. And I want these statements to be a guiding force for us this morning. I don't know enough. I don't know if I can. I don't know if they will listen to me. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I offend? And I wanna take a moment to acknowledge that reality for many of us today. However, we can easily let those statements stop us from moving forward. Stop us from saying yes and cause us to shrink back and be silent. And this is not only true for our lives, but this is also true for a man that I want to talk to you about today. A man that had to wrestle with his shortcomings and the call to do justice. And before I say anything else, I want you to hear these words. You are chosen. God chose you for such a time as this. With your shortcomings in mind, God still chose you. Let that sink in. I have more to say, but I wanna begin our time this morning in worship. Let's open our hearts to God. Let's put our mind on Him. And we're gonna sing a song called Echo. And I pray no matter what your week has been like, no matter what shortcomings you wrestle with, I pray this song reminds you of the goodness and faithfulness of our God. When night is falling, when fear is coming, still you're calling me. When faith is lost and my hope exhausted, you will be my strength. When my masses Thank you. 
I've got some really cool news to share with you guys. You know, during this time when we can't meet physically on Sundays, I was so surprised to hear we actually have people who have never stepped foot in this building who are calling Ascent their home. They found us online. And here's the crazy thing. Some of them don't even live here. Some of them live out of state. Uh, we even have people watching out of the country. Welcome to you if that is you. Uh, we really are excited that you have found Ascent to be a church home for you. And if you have never filled out one of our Connect cards, I hope you'll do that. It's right here on the Church Online platform. Or if you're watching on demand, you can go to on our website and you can find that. Fill that out. We'll actually send you a $5 Starbucks gift card if you do that. And no matter where you live, I'm pretty sure there's a Starbucks near you. So I hope you'll do that. Hey, you guys know the heartbeat of our church really is that we are a group of people that serve the community, love God and love other people. And we've been working with uh, local officials in health, uh, the city government. And as a lot of you know, a big deal about what we do is we work with the school district. We've been talking with the school district about how we can help right now as the crisis, the pandemic kind of deepens and kind of continues to drag on. Here's what BVSD, Boulder Valley Schools, has asked us to do. They have asked us to do a drive for hygiene products. Guys, we want you starting this week, July 20th, come down to the church 10 to 2 p.m., drop off toothpaste, uh, toilet paper, anything that has to do with personal hygiene. Would you bring it down here and drop it off? We're going to give that to BVSD, and BVSD is actually going to give that to families in Lafayette. Guys, we would love your help with this. Uh, BVSD has asked us to partner with them, and this is another chance for Ascent 
uh, to really be generous, hopefully, and help those in our community. So I hope you'll take part in that. Uh, last thing is this. Uh, our operations director, Beth Lilstrom, told me that we've actually had people, new people in our church who have started giving for the very first time, even over this last month. Again, so encouraging. You guys, that helps us uh, to do the things that we want to do in this community in terms of generosity, reaching out, helping people see Jesus clearly. That's the mission of our church. Thank you for giving. You can do that a couple different ways. You can do that online at our website, ascentcc.org, or you can do that by text as well. And guys, that makes a huge difference. So thank you for that. Hey, we're going to continue on now, and I want to pray. I want to pray as Aisha shares with us this morning that we open our hearts to what God's going to say. Uh, and so join me as we pray. God, uh, we pray by your spirit that you would open our hearts to what you want to say, uh, open our ears, uh, open um, our willingness to do what you want to do and go where you want to lead us. Uh, so God, speak to us right now as Aisha shares with us. We trust you and love you, and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know who else God chose? Moses. Let me tell you a little bit about the climate that Moses was born into. You see, the Pharaoh of Egypt, he was intimidated by how numerous the people of Israel were, and he feared that they might link up with Egypt's armies in time of war. Pharaoh wanted to protect his power. So he decided to assign taskmasters over them and oppress them with forced labor. However, the people of Israel, also referred to as the Hebrews, continued to multiply. So Pharaoh issued an order that said, all the Hebrew people, every son that they have, must be thrown into the Nile River. And this Hebrew woman, she hid her son for three months, and then she set him in a basket in the Nile River, only to be found by Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter, seeing this baby, she took pity on him, and she decided that she was going to keep him. She had him nursed in secret, and she named him Moses. A child was born that should have been executed under royal order, but he's now living in the royal palace. Y'all, it was unlikely that Moses would survive being in the Nile River, let alone be found by Pharaoh's daughter. It's actually a miracle if you think about it, and it also reminds me of a potential spinoff from The Handmaid's Tale, yet it is evidence that God chose Moses from the very beginning. And I want to take a moment to look at a pivotal moment in Moses' life in Exodus 2.11. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. There's two things I want to highlight from this verse that I think is not only important to Moses' journey, but also to our call to do justice as well. When I read this, the word saw immediately jumped out at me. Moses saw the Egyptian beating the Hebrew. Moses saw the injustice. Moses saw the oppression. Moses saw the abuse of power. Moses saw the pain. In church, I want to ask you a question. What do you see? Do you see the injustice before you? Do you see the injustice in our nation? Is anything hindering you from seeing, 
Because if we want to do justice, we have to first see the injustice. And the next thing that jumped out to me was the fact that the words his own people are mentioned twice. Whenever something's repeated in scripture, I pay close attention to it. Moses was raised with the Egyptians. He was the prince of Egypt and he could have easily chose to identify with the Egyptians. But in this moment, when he witnessed the impression, when he witnessed the injustice, he chose to identify with the Hebrew. And I think it's so easy for us to just allow race to identify who our own people are. But as believers, we have a different lens from which we operate. Because when we see injustice happen to any human being, that's our people. And if we want to do justice, we have to see everyone as image bearers of God. We have to see one another as our own. Now, this is where things take an interesting turn, because if you've ever done something that you've had no business doing, you typically don't want anyone to see you. And this is where Moses found himself in this moment. He looked to his left, he looked to his right, and then he killed the Egyptian. Now, he definitely did not act in the right way. He didn't have a bracelet on his wrist saying, what would Jesus do? No, he acted on impulse and he made a mistake and he had to live with those consequences. Pharaoh found out, the rest of the Hebrews found out, and Moses fled to the mountains. Moses fled to a place called Midian because his life was at stake. So there's a significant amount of time from when Moses saw the injustice to where he is now, living his new normal. He's a shepherd now. He has a wife now. He has a family now. And then on what he thought was an ordinary day, he has this divine encounter with God by the way of a burning bush. You see, the bush was on fire, but it wasn't consumed. And if you saw a bush like this at your house or um, while you're on a hike, you would be intrigued and you'd want to get a little closer to it. So that's what Moses did. And as he got closer, God began to call out to him from the bush. Moses, Moses, he said. And Moses responded, here I am. And God tells him to not come any closer and to take his sandals off because the place that he is standing is holy ground. God calls the place where him and Moses are that proximity that they have as holy ground. And before Moses could pursue justice, he had to pause and have this moment with God. And family, God is in our midst right now. And although there is no burning bush in front of us, I believe God wants to get our attention. I believe God wants to speak to us. So I wanna pause in this moment and lean into a song that speaks into this. Make your 
to Moses through this burning bush. He tells Moses that he is the God of his father, the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac. And he says, 
I have seen the oppression of my people in Exodus 3, 7. Again, we have to see the injustice and we have to view one another as our own. And then God continues to say to Moses, I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God made it plain. Moses, I am sending you. Moses, I have chosen you to deliver my people. And this is how Moses responds. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? That question reveals fear. That question reveals doubt and inadequacy and uncovered identity. When I put myself in Moses' shoes, I can't help but think that he was probably saying to himself, I'm just a shepherd. I'm a disappointment. I don't have any influence in Egypt. I killed someone there. I can't go back. Do we have the same response when it comes to God's call in Micah 6, 8 for us to do justice. Who am I? I'm just a fill in the blank. What is the thing that you tell yourself to opt out of God's call? Do you feel like something in your past has disqualified you from being used by God? maybe something your family doesn't know, your friends don't know, your small group doesn't know, that you've tried to run from. Or maybe in the past, you've been complicit or silent in the face of injustice. And now you really struggle with being the person on the front lines for justice. And as I think about those things, the idea of being chosen comes to mind for me. You see, chosen, the idea of being chosen is so embedded in our culture from the different things that we watch, like The Bachelor, like Shark Tank, like so many other reality shows that are focused on one person being chosen at the end, and we celebrate that. And whether you're an introvert or an extrovert or no matter what number you are in the Enneagram, I think most of us can relate to having the hope and desire of being chosen. Think about it when you were in grade school, wanting to be chosen for the big game at recess or dodgeball or a team or a candy gram. I'm not sure if they still do those now. Or what about that guy that you like, that girl that you like, you wanna be chosen. That job interview you go on, especially if you're going on a job interview in this season, you want to be chosen. You want to be the one that they pick. You want to be chosen for that raise. You want to be chosen for that opportunity. You want to be chosen for that school, that internship, whatever it is. But for some reason, 
when it comes to God, when it comes to him asking something of us, our posture changes. And instead of choose me, it's do not choose me. We are available and willing for so many other things, except when it comes to being used by God, to being his vessel, to being someone that he can use to send out on assignment. Y'all, 2020 has made me think a lot about the movie Jumanji. But even more so, I feel like it gives us a modern interpretation to how Moses was feeling in this moment. The characters we Check. chose, we all have certain skills. So there's gotta be a way to access our... Oh! Wow. What'd you just do? Strengths, fearless, climbing, speed, boomerang, smoldering intensity. What just happened? Um, you just smoldered. Weakness. None? Uh, how'd you do that? That, uh, that list? Uh, well, I just, I, I think I just pressed my, my enormous left peck. I hate this game. Weakness? Cake. Yes, cake is my weakness. Along with speed and strength. Huh. Strength is my weakness. Hey, can I, quick question. How is strength my weakness? Somebody explain that to me. So who do you think Moses related to in that clip? Was it The Rock's character or was it Kevin Hart's character? And if you're still unsure, let me tell you how this conversation continued to go on. You see, Moses continued to respond with excuses and reasons to why he was not the man for the job. He goes on to say, what if they don't listen to me? What if they don't believe me? Actually, I'm not an eloquent speaker. I'm slow of speech. I stutter just a little bit. And then he just gets real direct with God and he's like, actually, send someone else. And don't these statements sound so similar to the statements that I shared earlier, to the statements some of us may be telling ourselves in this moment? Statements that we're trying to use to opt out of God's call. Like Kevin Hart's character, Moses perceives himself as having more weaknesses than strengths that are necessary for the task at hand. Can you imagine trying to convince God that he made a mistake in choosing you? As I say that, I can't help but think of myself because I resonate with Moses so deeply. The first time that I ever preached, I was a senior in college and I felt so inadequate. I cried the night before. I told God he got the wrong one. Maurice and I were dating and I was like, just have Maurice do the message, not me. And I really struggled. And I can just leave it at that and elaborate more on that story. But since we're specifically talking about doing justice, let me tell you about my Moses moment two years ago. So two years ago, we started a racial reconciliation class here at Ascent. And y'all, if there was ever a Moses moment, or since I relate to Moses so much, I call myself Moesha, this was my Moesha moment. Y'all, I didn't wanna do it. All those statements that I read earlier, those statements that Moses said, I was saying them. I don't know enough. 
they're not going to listen to me. There's probably someone else that's more qualified to do it. Actually, Maurice, you can just do it by yourself. Please do it by yourself. It got to the point where one of our pastors here, Chris Sturgeon, was sending us emails and all this information about the class, and I wasn't responding because I did not want to do it. I asked myself the same question. Who am I to co-lead a class on racial reconciliation? And family, one thing that I learned is when I start to ask myself, who am I? I have to remind myself who God says I am. God says that I can do all things through Christ. God says that I am called to a ministry of reconciliation. God says that he didn't give me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God says that I am chosen. I have to remind myself to go to God in prayer and ask him, God, what is it that you see in me that I don't see in myself? And family, a lot of times when we look at this passage, we lean into Moses' story, we just focus on his response to God. But I actually want to conclude our time with looking at how God responded to Moses. When Moses asked God, who am I? to deliver the people of Israel. God simply responds in verse 12 and tells him that I'll be with you. And in their conversation, as Moses continues to give his excuses and to give these reasons, God continues to reassure him that I will be with you. My strength will be with you. My power will be with you. Can you show me in the Bible where God used a perfect individual who had all the right qualities? Probably not, because God uses imperfect and flawed individuals. He uses the ordinary people to do extraordinary things on the earth, to do his will. Just think about it. Paul was a murderer. David had an affair. Jonah ran from God. Rahab was a lady of the night, yet God still used them to do mighty and significant things. You don't have to be polished to be used by God. You don't have to feel like your shortcomings opt you out from the call to do justice because guess what? We all have shortcomings, yet God still chose us. The call to do justice may cause you to wrestle with your shortcomings, may cause you to wrestle with your inadequacies, but I want you to be encouraged to be reassured that God's presence is with you. He is with you on this journey. He is with you for whatever assignment that he has for you. God is not looking for your ability. God is looking for your availability. Who will be impacted when you say yes? You are chosen. Do you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for your love that you have for us. God, I thank you that we have been chosen. God, I thank you that we are not alone in this, that you are with us, that your spirit is with us. God, would you give us eyes to see the injustice around us? Would you work on our hearts, God, so that we truly see everyone as our own? Father, help us to not opt out of the call because of our shortcomings. We trust you. We say yes, God, and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.
friends, we want to invite you to enter into worship with us. I'm no longer slave to fear. I am a child.
So God, our answer to you is yes. God, be speaking to us throughout the week, God. We know that you are living and breathing and active and personal, God. So speak to each and every one of us this week, God. Let us know how we can enter in 
because yes, we will. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ascent, it has been so good to gather with you once again. We look forward to doing it again uh, next week. So hey, we will see you there. Bye. Have a wonderful day.